Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. You can support this podcast at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Line Order Marathon winner is Brad McLennan of Cincinnati, Ohio. Brad will get a marathon decal showing he watched 26.2 hours of his favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at LineOrderPodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Kate Barkley, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedurals, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit Season 15, Episode 19, Downloaded Child. Section 2259 of the Violence Against Women Act, it stipulates that it is mandatory for convicted sexual abusers to pay restitution to their victims. So you want to argue that anyone who's downloaded her image is guilty of abuse? Exactly. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting Podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. I sure would prefer to be locked here in the basement with you, Kevin, than locked with you on a balcony. Nice to be here. Oh, my goodness. That is so scary. <laughs> Rounding out our panel is our very special guest from only two hours away from Sydney, Australia. <laughs> From the Pups and Pop Culture Podcast, it's Kate Barkley. Hi, Kate. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. So excited. We're excited to have you. I'm a bit of a fangirl of yours. The only thing that could be better for me is if I was actually in an episode of SVU, maybe playing Dead Hooker <laughs> number four. <laughs> oh, wow. If they got to number four, you know that's a good episode. Exactly. <laughs> this one that we're going to be talking about is a super classic. It really is. It is. It is. Although I'm trying not to picture... Kate on one of those slabs, like with just the the sheet. You imagine those poor actresses who have to be there, and they're like getting okay. You're just gonna lie there naked with the white powder on all over your body, while these A-list actors prod at your uh, your chest bone or your clavicle. Talk about the fake gunshot wound that we pasted on there. It is so cute that you're calling these A-list actors. By the way, adorable. Ouch. <laughs> I, I kind of, I don't think I would mind, you know, if Benson was poking at me or, you know, um, any of the MEs. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> but Amaro, that's, that's a hard no. And Amaro for me is a hard no. <laughs> uh, a, yeah, no, definitely a hard no for me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us about your podcast, Pups and Pop Culture. Is it Dogs Watching TV? Kind of. My logo is. So that's something, right? <laughs> no, my podcast is like, it's it's about just people's stories about their dogs and, um, you know, stories from people in the pet industry. And we also review dog movies. So, yeah, I mean, it's sort of, it's a bit of everything doggy. 
And my opener actually has an SVU kind of theme to it because my co-host um, and myself are huge SVU fans and she sort of wrote this this kind of doggy-themed SVU opener. So people should check that out. So, Kate, one of your other podcasts is called Filed Under X, which is about the X-Files. So you're used to talking about TV shows and not only uh, an SVU fan, but also an X-Files fan. Yes. What did you think of that ultimate SVU X-Files crossover, which is, of course, Munch showing up on the X-Files interviewing buyers from the Lone Gun? (laughs) (laughs) Well, technically, that was a homicide crossover. So, you know, yeah, it was because it was back in like 90. The, the early 90s, mid-90s, something like that. So 1997. Yeah. And, and it was also a flashback episode, which took place <laughs> in the 80s. Yes. And I remember that because Mulder pulled out his cell phone and it was one of those giant brick phones. One like of those it. giant Zach Morris headphones. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah, it was hilarious. Um, I like it because I like that. My, my thing is, I like it because that means that Scully and Benson could exist in the same universe and I'd love to see them working a case mm-hmm. together. Don't know how it would work. Maybe aliens invade New York City. I don't know. Oh, and the two of them can talk about their child angst. Oh, God. Yeah, so Munch interviews buyers, and ironically, it's the only conspiracy that Munch didn't believe. Yes, right? I mean, seriously. The funny thing is, like, when he's in SVU, he's like a mad conspiracy theorist, and I'm like, okay. It was it was very kind of X-Files-y of him. It was very Mulder. Now, Kate, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. Can I just say Benson? <laughs> you can just say Benson, sure. You're not the first. I mean, if I have to pair her with someone, I like the few times that she worked with Finn. Um, if I have to pick a duo, I would say Munch and Finn. Uh, I, I think those are pretty solid choices. Very solid choices. But I, I think Benson as her own team. Mm. I mean, like when Stabler would get tied up, yeah. Benson would go in and save him. Yeah. And when Benson gets tied up, she saves herself. That's true. That's true. By beating a man to death with a pole. That's right. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost to death. Absolutely. That's a completely other episode. <laughs> Kate, do you have a favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. AZ Barber, hands down. I love him. Oh, and we got to say a little prayer for Barba. Who <laughs> Does has, she know yes. in Australia? Gone. Do they know? Are they like... She knows. Okay, good. She knows. She knows. I just want to yep. make sure I because I don't know how, you know, whether or not you get them at the same time we do. I assume you do, but you never know. You are two hours outside of Sydney after all. Exactly. There's a huge delay. <laughs> <laughs> I came to really like Barba. Um, like I said, he always seemed really put off by all the stuff that he had to do. Right. Every time they're like, oh, it's like this again. Yes, but then he would always do it. He always, then he would he always, always do it. He'd be like, you know what? You're right. Okay, I'll do it. Like every single time. Right, right. <laughs> and he always did it with sass. Totally. And suspenders. And suspenders. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 15, Episode 19, Downloaded Child. Just a reminder, we're going to be talking about fake detectives investigating fake crimes against fake people. So if that is still especially heinous to you, you might want to check out a different episode. Police rush to a high-rise where a little girl dressed as a fairy is dangling from her 10th floor balcony because her wing is caught in a plant hanger. Since it takes just as much time as to deploy a SWAT team, get them on the roof, secure their gear, and rappel down to the balcony as it does to just kick in the door, (laughs) the good guys swing in and save little Maddie. But they learn that she has been left alone in that apartment for days. 
Olivia finds Maddie's mom, Jenny, in lockup being held on a shoplifting charge. Where is Maddie? I want to see her. She's with Child Protective Services. Just till I get out, right? I'm due out in a few hours. Listen, you left your six-year-old unsupervised for two days. You can't just get her back. Are you looking at new charges? Hold on there. Slow down. Can't talk to him like that. You're going to make him mad. She says she won't leave her daughter with her ex-husband, Gary, because Gary has needs. Gary denies ever touching Maddie, but says Jenny is crazy in bed. Jenny's display of fear and compliance towards all men I mean, even a morrow, for Christ's sake, <laughs> leads SVU to think that she is also a victim of abuse. They trick Gary into confessing to raping Jenny. He thinks you can't legally rape your wife, but surprise, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> Meantime, Olivia and Cassidy are struggling with their relationship, and Liv is super fascinated with the family court proceeding around one baby doe. I wonder what will happen. <laughs> Meantime, she and Rollins want to help Jenny get Maddie back from state custody, but that will require a psych eval. Working unofficially with Olivia's personal therapist, Jenny reveals that she was sexually exploited as a child by her stepfather. But the bad stuff doesn't end there. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. Well, actually, you know, let's skip over a little bit of the beginning and get to the real good stuff. Okay. Which is that we start with Maddie dangling from a building. Right. Now, I understand why you call SWAT, but why is SVU called? Because they can see it's a child? <laughs> That's a really good point and one that I did not think of. No, me either. I was too busy wondering what was she doing with those stupid fairy wings on? Like, what was she doing out there? Why is there a hanging plant? Why is there a balcony? How come Jenny can afford this apartment on the rent that her scumbag ex-husband is paying and he lives in a hole? Like I could corner unit too. <laughs> That's a good unit. Yeah. None of this made sense to me at all. Kate, now okay, they they went to SWAT, now they went to SVU. You think they're just going in alphabetical order calling people at that police department? It's possible. I mean, I did wonder about the stupid fairy wings too. I was like, what the hell? I mean, I guess she's a kid. She, you know, she likes to pretend. But yeah, I was that. I was stuck on the fairy wings too. So I have no idea. You're gonna be stuck on fairy wings. Were they 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 attached to her body with super glue? Why don't they just go? (laughs) Why don't they just find her dead body on the on the street and find the fairy wings up on the on the balcony? They were very high quality fairy wings. Very high quality. Yeah. Again, but I still I still can't get over why SVU is there. I mean, they should really be calling the street cleaner before they call sex crimes. Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) But you're right. You're right. There's absolutely no reason for that so basically mom says that she's trying to protect her little girl by locking the front door but not by locking the door to the balcony (laughs) (laughs) she left it with a lot of snacks though like there was a lot of food there yeah that's why she'd been okay for a couple of days while mom's in lockup she's just having fruit roll-ups all the time yeah and and uh there were some juice boxes i noticed some juice boxes there it all seemed lined up very neatly not the work of either Jenny or her mother. It was another thing I wondered about. Like, like the props people came in, they're like, there's supposed to be a lot of snacks for the kid, and they lined them up like as the prop people would do, and then just like no one else did anything with them after that <laughs> to make it look like <laughs> anyone was living in that apartment. Kate, I don't know if you have kids or you can remember back when you were really young, but if my mom laid out enough snacks that are supposed to last me for five days, I would have eaten them all <laughs> in the first two hours and then like been really hungry when I came down for my sugar high. Probably. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm the same. <laughs> now, Jenny has a thing about pleasing guys. Mm. 
and she tells Olivia that she shouldn't make Amaro mad. And I'm like, do you even know Amaro? <laughs> well, she's she's not wrong to worry about him being mad, right? Because at this point in the series, yeah, he's, he's still that like just barely contained, simmering douchebag that he was for most of his tenure on the series. That wasn't until after he got shot, which was like two days before he left the series. Yeah, Kate, I'm going with Rebecca on this because I think that even Amaro went like, Oh, even she can tell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. I I completely forgot that Amara was in this episode, and I was really disappointed. Thanks for that. Like, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's an Amara-sode. <laughs> I know. Thanks. Yeah, one of the, it's, it's near the, it's getting close to the end of his tenure, however. Thank God for that. You know how I know that? Because the day that I watched this episode, it was like one of those marathons where they were showing the episodes in order. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a tremendous amount of continuity between Liv's hair and this storyline in particular uh-huh. and uh-huh. Baby Doe. And Amaro was there when you were making lunch, but by dinner time in the marathon, he was gone? No, by like uh, midday. You get Carisi with his mustache? When, when I mixed my first cocktail, Amaro was walking around on those stupid crutches talking about going to California. <laughs> you were just on your first cocktail by then? Jeez, <laughs> Now let's turn to Gary for a minute. Uh, So it looks like that rapists will brag about being rapists so long as they have two cool guys to talk to, like Amaro and Finn. Yeah. You sure it wasn't the donuts? (laughs) (laughs) So much sugar in this episode. Because I kind of feel like I would confess to something if I had a donut given to me. Yeah, yeah. Now, Rebecca, he's, he's going on about... So when she says no, that's when you know you're just getting started. Oh, yeah, man. She'll be like, no, please, no. Uh, it's like trying to get a car engine to turn over, man. You just got to give me a little push. She wants you to hurt her. Oh, yeah. Knocking her around. It's our foreplay. It's got to get her her motor running. Right. Which is kind of like how I talk about you, right? <sighs> It's so gross. It's so gross. The one thing I do want to talk about is what it was that poor Jenny was imprisoned for, the infraction. The shoplifting infraction? Trying to shop one of those stupid American girl dolls. <laughs> it was Maddie's birthday. She's always wanted one of those uh, American girl dolls. They're $200. I mean, who is that kind of money? <laughs> which, by the way, she... Are these a real doll? Oh, yeah. yeah. And oh. Which, by the way, she acknowledges they're, like, stupid. They cost, like, $200. It's a real thing. Um, you're not American, so I can understand yeah, why you wouldn't there's know. there's no Australian girl doll. Sorry. If we have fans of this particular brand in the audience, plug Sorry. your ears for a second. Sorry, yeah, just... It is the stupidest <laughs> fucking thing. These are these dolls. They are super expensive. They come with ridiculous, complicated backstories. It's one of those things like going to Disney World that every kid who's a girl, whose kids are who are into this, they feel obligated to have, and therefore parents feel obligated to give them. So she wants to get her a $200 doll. Meantime, she's hanging by her ass from a plant hanger <laughs> 150 feet in the air. Okay, great mom. Hey, we have a Hey, It's That Guy in this episode. We do? Hey, it's that guy. Kate, can you tell me the name of the actor who plays Dr. Peter Lindstrom, Olivia's therapist? No idea, but he's way creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca, do you know the actor? No, but isn't he Discount Richard Chamberlain? Uh, I I don't think so. That's Bill Irwin. How about you and Brian? Last session, you told me you were unsure whether the relationship would make the next step, and you said you were afraid to tell him. Okay. And you might know him as Mr. Noodle from... 
<laughs> Elmo's World on Sesame Street. For real? For real. Mr. Oh my God. <laughs> you, you can now see him on, on FX's sci-fi hit Legion, mm. uh, and he's got all he's got, his, his uh, resume. Is, he's got a lot of. Um, experience as a dancer and as a mime. Really? And yeah, so now he gets to talk mm. and do talk therapy with, with Olivia. And have super inappropriate relationships with Livy's law enforcement contacts. Like, oh, like just... she like brings this like person to your it's arrested to her personal therapist. Liv Liv is a boundary crosser. Yeah. Like like unbelievable boundary crosser. Yeah, like she can't find somebody else who could do this. I don't know. Like BD Wong is hanging around that damn station all the time. Why not send her to <laughs> I think B.D. Wong probably said, lose my number. Lose my number. By the way, there was no mention of young Barba in this episode. Like, Barba appears near the beginning of this episode. He, just, he, uh-huh. looks, he looks, like, so young and spry and, like, a totally different Barba than when we've come to know and love. Yeah, he'd been on the show for a while. Right, but he just looks so young and fresh. Yeah, well, he hasn't been ground by the system yet. <laughs> I was just going to say he hasn't been worn down down by you know SVU and all the drama that they bring to him all the time. Like Cassidy, who looks like dog meat this entire. Episode. Oh my god, he looks like a hobo. <laughs> Seriously, what does Olivia see in him? <laughs> well, let's talk about them, especially Cassidy. Do be- we have to? Do we have to? Well, I think we have to. One of the most recent SVUs here, season nineteen. We have Dean Winters come back, mm. making a cameo as as uh, Brian Cassidy, who was a regular cast member in season one before Ice T. Mm-hmm. Now again, just again, just sort of place where we are in the canon here. Mm. This is when Ice T no longer goes by Ice Dash T, <laughs> but as Ice <laughs> T. Uh, Next, he'll be upgrading to Ice T. Yes. Um, So, so Kate, we we see Cassidy and Benson sort of struggling with their relationship, right? They talk about the scene when they're going to go out to dinner, and she says, Maybe we should just uh, order in. I'm tired. You're tired. We're tired. No, we're tired. Cassidy's a brat. Like, I just, I, I don't get it. He's always, like, in season one, he was quite childish and they're always making fun of him. And I just, I don't get what, oh, I do not get what she sees in him. And, yeah. I, I don't know either. All I know is that I have here in my notebook, Cassidy, you're so sad. Why the hell are you dressed like that if you're planning to go out to eat? <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good point. He looks terrible. He looks terrible. And then there's like that stupid scene where like Cassidy wears the same dirty hoodie all episode, <laughs> is lying on the couch, slugging beers, watching some sort of dumb sports thing, grunts the whole time. She's just trying, trying, trying. And I think like in the episode before this, which again I know because I watched the marathon when yeah, this one was right, on. Right, right. We're like there was a whole similar scene where she's like trying to suggest they go to a museum together, and he's just like, uh, "Go to a museum." And she's just like, "I just want to mix it up and do something different." Cassidy. Yeah, Kate. I don't see Cassidy going to a museum. Uh, <laughs> not maybe a museum of beer or something. I don't know. <laughs> the, the museum of beer. <laughs> not the museum of razor blades. That's for certain. The museum of his own dark past. Oh God. <laughs> kind of feel bad for shitbagging him now that they've given him this tragic past, but I can't help it. He's just right. a pain in the ass. <laughs> I'm going to have to give this to Rebecca because she fell asleep <laughs> before the end of this episode uh, in which Cassidy confesses to Stone 
that he had been molested as a child by his little league coach, which is something that, and he says he never told Benson or anybody that. Again, here we are almost 20 years later, we get sort of some background. A retcon, as they call it in TV blogging parlance. They call it what? A retcon. Like, they have stuffed a fake backstory here (sighs) to try to explain the very many years of us hating this guy. Like, there's some reason. This, This is like proof in this episode we're talking about right now of why that's a retcon, right? Yeah. He's giving Liv shit about her not talking about Lewis. Uh-huh. He's like, we never really talked about what happened to you. And she's just like, fuck you. I'm curling my bob right now. I don't have time to discuss it. <laughs> he doesn't offer anything. Like, I'll tell you what happened to me if you tell me what happened to you. That's how you know it's a retcon because there's no hint of it any time before. Uh, he's just too hung up on dead hookers that he's responsible <laughs> for. I think so. <laughs> have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Jenny has repressed her memories of her abuse. Reviewing some photos from her childhood, the FBI recognized Jenny as Lacey Unknown, a child porn victim they've been searching for for a decade. How many videos are we talking about? Hundreds and thousands of stills. There's uh, videos of her being tied up, raped, sodomized. She has chat rooms devoted to her. We kept looking, but after a while, we assumed there's no way she survived her childhood. I'm shocked she's still alive. Barbara says since Jenny's stepfather is dead, they can't go after him for making child porn. But he thinks he can get her financial restitution from the men who now illegally possess and trade her photos on the Internet. The catch is she has to identify herself as Lacey. After coming to terms with her sexual abuse, Jenny appears to be getting better with therapy. Then Benson and Rollins roll in, tell her about the Lacey photos, and she realizes that her image will be on the web forever, and she breaks down and tries to seduce Dr. Lindstrom, which is supposed to fix something, I guess. (laughs) Well, when she gets out of the psych ward, Jenny provides an impact statement at the sentencing of a man who has her Lacey photos. He pays her $20,000 in restitution, but confronted now with the hundreds of other convicts she could sue, Jenny decides she can't put herself through that. Barbara saves the day when he finds one rich CEO with a Lacey photo. He'll offer him house arrest if he agrees to pay Jenny $4 million in restitution. Now flush with cash and making progress in therapy, Jenny gets Maddie back from state custody, so it all works out for the best, I guess. But what will the writers do with the last three minutes of the show? Mm. Benson and Cassidy have a heart-to-heart in which they agree it's not working out, and they go their separate ways. Do they? It's so confusing. Do they? It's so confusing. (laughs) Can we talk about that first? (laughs) Okay, let's start there. We think they break up because we don't see Cassidy again for five seasons. Let me tell you this, Kevin. When we break up someday, I don't think we will, but let's just imagine we're going to. Okay, I'm there. This is not how it's going to go. I love you. I love you. 
Yeah. I love you too, Brian. You say, I love you too. I love you too. <laughs> and that's supposed to be our breakup scene? That's just not how it goes. And I'm going to go left on the street and you go the other Hopefully way. Hopefully I have a beautiful puffy coat yeah. with a trench belt like Liv's. But no, it, it, there's no side. They walk away together. They don't even well, like, they, walk well, they, in two separate directions. Well, they live at the same place, Kate. Of course they <laughs> Why do they have to go out to break up? They both live in the same apartment. Awkward. Yeah, awkward. Like they got to ride up in the elevator together now, and it's like, so uh, which one of your records? And uh... I don't think Cassidy has any possessions in that place. Yes. <laughs> I think he just flopped in with his three pairs of dungarees and his one hoodie and his one hoodie. He doesn't have a razor. Yeah. I was just going to say that he's got no razor and, yeah, <laughs> maybe not even some personal hygiene products, I don't think. <laughs> God. Let's talk about Jenny's mom. Okay. Uh, so she takes one look at Finn and says, Oh, you probably like menthols, right? I don't have any cools. <laughs> is that not one of the trashiest ways we've been clued in that a character is racist? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was actually... Not, I mean, sometimes it's it's almost never subtle. No. Right? There's a Confederate flag or someone drops an N-bomb, but to go, you're black, you must like cools, <laughs> is kind of just that, you know, I, Kate, I don't know if that translates in Australia, but here it's kind of like, okay, we get it. We know you've been advertising in the, you know, urban markets. <laughs> it, that one actually went over my head. Oh, my God. Now I hate her even more. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of her uh, super hoarder house? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I had flashbacks to a family member, actually. That <laughs> Maybe that's too much information, but yeah. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> she, was, she was a real winner, that mother. I was like, oh. And the story about her, um, about Jenny when she was 10 years old, trying to unzip Santa, I'm like, oh. Sure it wasn't you, love. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, for some reason, Mom thinks that little Jenny is stealing her boyfriends. Yeah. No, your Mom's boyfriends are molesting little Jenny. And uh-huh. little Jenny, exactly. if she did try to unzip Santa's pants, was just acting out what every other man in her life had forced her to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even the casual Sunday marathon while drinking cocktails afternoon viewer of SVU can telegraph that very easily. Easily from this scene, the mom stuff was very, very over the top in a way that um, only SVU tries to do. <laughs> I feel like a lot of these characters were like caricatures. Like, mom was very over the top. the The ex husband, boyfriend, whatever he was, was very over the top. And it was sort of there was they were sort of very much caricatures. Like, and SVU doesn't really. I mean, it does sometimes go over the top, but uh, that was one of my problems with this episode. I was like, ugh. Yeah, mine too. And then the idea that like Jenny would live in an apartment, granted, granted, I'm sure it was supposed to be public housing or whatever, Mm -hmm. SVU tried to replicate there, but that she had like two very neat sofas with like Afghans over the back of them. And like she had learned how to like somehow mother in like this beautiful way where she's protecting her daughter and letting up all these snacks. It's like, when did you have time to get your act together even to that degree? Even though you're trying to like, you know, steal American Girl dolls. It just, she didn't, her... Stuff didn't seem to fit with the level of dysfunction we saw all around her in the episode. Yeah, yeah. Now, knowing meeting the grandmother and Jenny, the mother, uh, we definitely know that Maddie, the child, is the one who's got it all together. <laughs> Absolutely. 
<laughs> I mean, the worst thing we can say about her is she's wearing stupid uh, fairy wings when she nearly <laughs> plunges to her death. I wonder if she ever got that American Girl doll. That <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. She would. You know, I think she would have found out pretty fast those wings don't help her fly. Right. Um, so every time we think that Jenny is getting better, something else shitty happens to her to mm. just drop her back. Yeah. I mean, she's like, okay, you, you're out of a bad relationship. Guess what? You were raped as a child. Oh, I'm in therapy for that. Oh, guess what? You were in child pornography. Oh, okay, I'm going to go into the psych ward, but I'm getting out of that. Oh, you can get millions of dollars. You just have to testify 10,000 times. Okay, I just want to slip my wrist now. Right. It's like every time something good happens, like we have some bad news for you. Right. And then they're like surprisingly saying like, oh, she couldn't handle it. <laughs> and then and then, and then, then somebody else on the, on the squad is like, well- Neither could we. And once again, I'm like, you guys are the sex police. You are supposed to be able to handle this stuff. You're supposed to be able to learn somebody's sad story and not avert your eyes. Like, this is literally your job, guys. I can't handle it. Yeah, because, Kate, we we see Rollins and Benson go to Barba and say, "Um, well, we didn't tell her everything. (laughs) I know. We just told her some of what happened to her. (laughs) We thought we should let her down. We should spread it out over a couple of days. Yeah, we'd just ease her into it. <laughs> I, this is going to sound really bad because this is this is a horrible crime, but I didn't have any sort of connection or sympathy for Jenny. I mean, I had sympathy for her, but um, I don't know. I was just lacking a connection that made me feel anything for her. I don't know. I don't know whether it was the way the actress presented it or... I'm just not sure. I mean, even though these shitty things kept happening to her and, you know, then, you know, she goes from one thing to another. I was like, uh, I don't really care that much. <laughs> well, I agree with you that I did not feel a personal connection to this storyline, even though I think the actress herself tried very hard and was like her performance was decent. And I think the disconnect for me comes in that. Barba is the one who comes up with this plan Mm -hmm. and then spends half of the episode like coming up with new layers of the plan. Like, I know a a firm that will do this pro bono. Like, of course you do. (laughs) Like, I have this plan to proactively screw over this millionaire and then make him have to sue all these other men. Of course you do. It's like, you're the prosecutor in this case. And I kind of think that this episode was supposed to almost be like a showcase for him sort of stepping up and being heroic. It was more like his story in a way than it was Barbara's Jenny's. story, yeah. It was about Cassidy and Olivia. Olivia's weird relationship with her therapist and Barbara being a hero. And I think this woman who could have had this performance that was the heart of it, it just wasn't quite written that way. I agree. Well, okay, okay so Rebecca brings up Benson's weird relationship with her therapist. So weird. Oh. Did you notice that when they were in therapy together that their chairs weren't facing one another? <laughs> They were just sort of like, you know, kind of angled out so it looks like they're talking to one another, but you get to see both of them. It's literally how you and I are sitting right now. That's how they sit in therapy in SVU. They sit. It's like, it, it, it's like they're, uh, you know, duck-toed or something like that, where they're spreading out the other way. On the ways. same side of a restaurant booth. Yeah, I don't think much is happening there. And you're like, you're trying to open up and, the you know, all you see is one side of your therapist. <laughs> Look, I'm still stuck on the fact that a few episodes ago he gave her a necklace to replace the one that she had in evidence. I'm I'm just stuck on that. It's weird. <sighs> I forgot about that. I think which something... makes me he is kind of an odd guy. Which makes me th- wonder, like, if Benson hadn't been there and Jenny showed up in that long coat and dropped it, you know, maybe he would have had a go. Maybe you also have to wonder, like, because we already know she's crazy in bed. Yeah, according but, to Gary. What was supposed to happen with that therapist story? Because it didn't seem like it was going somewhere for a while there, after the post Lewis era, especially. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and then, you know, Olivia sort of gets her own stuff to do by becoming the boss of everyone, which, by the way, we forgot to mention, Amaro, in another dickish move, seems to have a super problem with, like, Olivia having gotten promoted. Oh, I know. And he's got this huge attitude about it. Screw you, Amaro. Sometimes a woman can be the boss. It won't kill you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Jenny gives a, a really impassioned victim impact statement. I've had a rough life because of what happened to me. You told the judge that what you did didn't hurt anyone. I want you to know that it did. I want you to see that I'm a person. So on the way out of the court, the guy going to jail says, I'm sorry, here's $20,000. Kate, you and I both know that if he still had $20,000, his defense attorney would find a way to get it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, What I can't get over is his daughter making um, her statement. And, oh, my father's not a bad guy. Um, yeah, he is. He was looking up kitty porn. Yeah. I don't care if it was just once. It was kitty porn. He's disgusting. Yeah, you got to rethink that. That was like a very flat and weird um, defense. Like the daughter made this impassioned, she said the impassioned thing, but with like no affect at all. He made a mistake, but he's not a criminal. Never hurt anyone in his life, especially not a child. Mm-hmm. It was again, like a dropping the ball in the writer's room thing. Like if you're going to do that, like you should write it in such a way that it's believable. Mm, maybe it's just the actress was bad. Maybe. And it's sort of like another like little tick like that in the episode is that, you know, when um, Jenny is in the institution and she's mm-hmm. allegedly getting better and then she's like, Gary, he stopped paying my rent. And it's like, writers, rent is due once a month. It's not something that you like. It's like, it's like four days later, he stopped paying my rent. What will I do? Like, they, they're just these dumb little gaps like that that they just don't seem to think that like we will pick up on. Yeah, because, Kate, the timeline for Law & Order is just really such a whirlwind that <laughs> all this is, all this apparently has happened in, like, three weeks. That's right. That from going from Maddie hanging on the side of the building mm-hmm. to Jenny going through all this different therapy, mm-hmm. and now she's better mm-hmm. three weeks later, mm-hmm. and she's got $4 million. And all these court cases have happened, and all of this correspondence has been mailed. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> There's been so much correspondence. And then when she's reunited with her daughter at the end, it's like they haven't seen each other for, what, like four days? Like, it's just, like, quick, yeah, right? Yeah, it was pretty quick, yeah. <laughs> it's also, meantime, the whole thing with baby Doe is dragging on for the seventh year. Oh, God, baby Doe. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I have no words. I mean, I, maybe just Olivia hoped that if she hung around the court... Uh, the courtroom long enough, they would give her a child, and then they did. So, you know. <laughs> Any takers? Yes. Any takers? Yes. By the time dinner rolled around that Sunday, and I was, like, clearing the dishes after we finished eating, uh-huh. um, the home visit lady was having her final walkthrough of Livy's apartment and telling her she was good to adopt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it has been all day. Do you have any idea how many episodes of Law and Order that SVU that was <laughs> between this one and the showing up and finding about the respiratory effect, you know, infection, and the one where the home visit lady is like, "You're clear to adopt, Olivia." I'm like, it's like eight hours of TV. Yeah, that's apparently the only <laughs> thing in this universe that like takes the actual amount of time. <laughs> It's like it takes a whole season and a half to, like, you know, to have get a foster kid. That's right. And That's right. Uh, but meantime, like, oh, we're going to trial next week. <laughs> so you better be ready. You better. You better get that DNA this done millionaire, in an hour. This millionaire is going to come in for his hearing and settle 
a day after we hatched this plan. Like, they're literally wearing the same clothes that they were wearing when yeah. they hatched the plan. Right. Now, it's it's Barba who offers the child-loving CEO a deal. He goes, you'll get house arrest if you pay $4 million to Jenny. Now, doesn't Barba know that this is actually a federal crime and he has no jurisdiction <laughs> over this? He can't really actually make this offer. I don't know. I mean, suing somebody sounds so American to me. I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going with it. You know? Yeah, exactly. It is pretty American, isn't it? Is. It? it is. It is. So basically, Barbara would just like, call up the U.S. attorney and say, oh, by the way, that guy you got for all that uh, child porn. All those RICO charges. Yeah. yeah. So I'm pretty much letting him go, but he's writing a big check. And they're going to be like, what the fuck? And you're going to have to be okay with that. Yeah. Maybe for four million million dollars, you could get a better lock on the uh, balcony door. <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait! You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money, a lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just forty dollars a month. Everything great about me, but for less money. Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And... Internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. Uh It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the headlines. This episode was inspired by the child pornography restitution case of victim Amy Unknown. The girl had been abused by her uncle for the purpose of making porn. Years later, when she learned her images were being trafficked on the internet to be viewed by thousands of men seemingly forever, Amy felt victimised all over again. Doyle Paroline was convicted in 2009 for possessing images of Amy. She sued him for $3.5 million in restitution. The case went to the Supreme Court in 2014, where the justices ruled victims are entitled to compensation. But the amount paid by those in possession of child porn must be proportional to the damage caused by them not the person who made the images. The High Court gave no other guidance on how to calculate damages against those in possession of kiddie porn. This has forced lower courts into the impossible and inconsistent task of determining how badly affected victims are by the trafficking of their pictures. Prosecutors, defendants and judges all agree the system is unworkable and have asked Congress to pass clarifying legislation. To date, both chambers have yet to agree on a solution. Eight weeks ago, the Amy, Vicky, and Andy Child Pornography Victim Assistance Act was passed in the U.S. Senate and right now is in the House Subcommittee on Crime. Mm. Can you believe it has taken these motherfuckers three separate times, three separate bills to get this no-brainer passed? So it means two other times 
like Orrin Hatch, and then somebody else introduced, first it was the Amy Child Pornography Victim Assistance Act, and then it was the Amy Vicky Act. Now mm. it's Amy Vicky and Andy. Uh, and, like, how, how many more kids do they have to get on, onto the name of this bill before they just pass it? We're talking about United States uh, politicians. Kevin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Kate, this is how it gets, it gets broken down. So as a victim, or as, as it stands right now in the bill, a victim of child porn production could receive $35,000, and those who have their images trafficked could receive up to 3000 from each victim. Criminals would be fined seventeen thousand for possession, thirty-five thousand for trafficking, and fifty thousand for production. Okay, so that's basically setting a bunch of numbers on people's pain. It's imperfect, but it is some guidance. Um, what do you think about the idea that we need to sort of set up almost a payment system so that to make people whole again for something they can't be made whole from? Well, I. <laughs> I think it's good in a sense that like, um, you know, at least you're hitting people where it hurts for what they've done. But yeah, it's, it's, I tried to read a bit into this case and I was, I got a little bit confused. I'm like, oh, this is America. What am I doing? Oh, trust <laughs> Sorry. me. You do not want to be Googling the term child <laughs> pornography Congress. Uh, because I'm sure I've just, I'm on 15 different watch lists now. Right, right. So, Rebecca, the, the essence of the legal argument here mm, yeah. is that people who possess child pornography have not committed the same criminal act as those who put a child in a sexual situation and photograph it, mm. photographed it. Yeah. So can we, can we agree that's a different crime or is it not? Here's the problem. Mm -hmm. This is where it gets, like, weird and sticky, right? Yeah. Is that a lot of child porn... I'm not saying it, it victimizes kids, yeah. period. But people who produce it, there are ways to produce it that is more sophisticated than I think the ways to produce it used to be back when these cases began. And I'm not saying that anybody who produces anything for the intention of making money off of these perverts right. who want to look it up. I mean, they're responding to like a marketplace need, right? Yeah. Which is disgusting, no well, matter how they're making it, how they're doing it. But the marketplace itself is also a disgusting cesspool. I don't know if it's different to rate. I, I don't know if it's right or wrong to rate one more expensively than the other fine-wise. It seems like a complicated metric. It also seems weird that the fines would be so high, but that the victims would each get 3000 I mean, is that from well, the thirty-five thousand? I, I guess it's, it's, it's like, what can someone really be on the well, hook for? Remember, there's there's different. There's essentially three different crimes here. There's possession, right? There's trafficking, right? And then there's production. If so, if you're trading it, you're trafficking. You're trafficking. You're basically saying if you have it, but you've shared it with somebody, like that happened in this right. episode, you're trafficking. Right. Because, you don't have to be a professional because, because trafficker. one could one could take pictures, create child pornography, but not share it with anyone. Right. Right. So or one that, could collect it and not share it with anyone. Yeah, correct. Right. Um, uh, yeah, so that's possession or, or correct. Right. It's, I can't those, believe we're debating this. I, no, can, we know, just, can we just do at the end of the episode? Can we just ask Barba? He could figure this whole thing out in five minutes. <laughs> Where it took the courts, the SCOTUS courts, the lower courts, the Congress decades to do. Barba, he figured that damn thing out in five minutes. Let's just call yeah, him. He just picked a number. He's four million. <laughs> Four million, write me a check now. With a snap of his suspenders. With yes. a snap of his suspenders. That's right. He's like, damn, I could have got six. That's right. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, before, and this was, this was the problem, Kate, is that judges, 
when it came to like trying to calculate what the restitution ought to be from victim A and then next week victim B, I mean, we're doing calculations like how well they're doing now, how much, how much, how much they how much lost, income they lost, how much income they lost, yeah. whether they did well, they were doing well, and then they found out, like in this case, where Jenny's getting better, but then she finds out about this and feels re-victimized and falls back. It it, it was, you know, no guidance given. And and I guess really it is in in the U.S., it really is Congress's role to set that. And the court was saying, you guys need to do this. It's just so messy. Like, what kind of price can you put on somebody's pain? I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. It's just awful. It's just, it's really awful. Yeah. I agree. But I do think the idea of a flat uh, amount makes sense. Yeah. If you think about the ways that other restitution is calculated state by state, like wrongful conviction restitution is set state by state. So some states have like no wrongful conviction. Mm-hmm. Rest- so other states have like a million dollars per year behind bars or whatever it was. This is at least saying it's going to be a flat amount so that, say, you can't look at someone who's had a really tough life and say, well, she hasn't lost much income because she's not very employable to begin with and then give her no compensation. Yeah. Or that she has a good job, so it does. So she's not in Right. Pain, You're right? basically no. saying the crime is the crime right. and this is the fine. I think that makes sense. Right. And even the Supreme That's Court. That's only because I asked Barbara. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, think, I think the flat rate is probably better because it's like I said, you're putting a price on somebody's pain and, you know, some people maybe can internalize their kind of pain and and get on with their life and then the courts would say, well, you're doing okay, so you don't deserve any restitution, that kind of thing. Uh, Just like in the episode, uh, a victim, if, you know, they can identify themselves as being the child in the image, they can seek restitution from perpetrator after perpetrator after perpetrator and put themselves through, you know, the uh, the emotional gauntlet of reliving and retelling their story and feeling the pain in order to win the restitution. It would just be horrific. Yeah. Yeah. And it wonders, like, if, if there's any dollar value that's that's worth that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think you're right, Rebecca. That's probably why this episode probably does feel a bit unsatisfying because she just kind of gets paid off and, you know, she goes on with her life and there's sort of... There's no that that's kind of it. It's just yeah, that that's what makes it feel unsatisfying, I think. Yeah, and the real thing that would happen in America is that right now instead of getting that restitution check, she would be suing the company that made that fairy costume <laughs> that almost killed her daughter. That is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Kate Barkley. Kate, where can our listeners follow you online? Um, they can find me on Twitter at Miss Kate Barkley. I'm usually bitching about some TV show there, so definitely, you know, worth following me. Um, <laughs> and my podcast, Pups and Pop Culture, can be found wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to pupsandpopculture.com. Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? Well, they can listen to our other show, Crime Writers On, but you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. By the way, where there are lots of pictures of pups mm-hmm. and a little bit of pop culture, at Reb Lavoy. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast are used in compliance with 
the U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These are their stories. was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio. <laughs> in New Hampshire. It is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in in Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.